Texas talking. Oh, what was that that you said? Texas talking. Ah, gonna hoop upside your head. Texas talking. Tell me who can you trust when Texas guys are Texas This is Lawrence Wright, a staff writer for the New Yorker magazine and a longtime resident of Austin. I've written about Al-Qaeda and Scientology, and now you may have heard about Texas politics. People ask if they have something in common. Read the article in this week's New Yorker and see for yourself. Meantime, enjoy this week's TribCast, the most informative and reliable source for news on all things Texas. Now here's your host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here on the first Wednesday in July with your Texas Tribune Tribcast, our weekly podcast about the biggest stories in Texas politics. Pretty sure that's the first time anybody has compared the Texas legislature to Al-Qaeda and Scientology, but it might not be that far off. Uh, just a reminder, if you're joining us on Facebook, don't forget to send us questions your way by posting comments on our page, and we'll do our best to get to them. I am joined by a stand-up crew today, political reporter Patrick Svitek. Good afternoon. I mean, you're right, it is the afternoon. Uh, and check. two Crackerjack investigative reporters, Jay Root, the golden-voiced warbler. Good Lord. Good Lord. It's been a while since he's been here. And Jim Malowitz. Howdy. How are you going to top that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I can't top any Root scoop. <laughs> Good one. Okay, so Evan's somewhere in Mexico, and Ross is still recovering from his July 4th weekend, so I have this um, great crew of guys. Um, let's start because we were just graced with the great Larry Wright. He had an incredible piece uh, over the long weekend about sort of how nutty Texas politics has been for the last couple of decades, but particularly now. Um, guys, like, what were the biggest takeaways for you from this um, tome? Well, I think, you know, we've obviously been covering the legislature and following it pretty closely. So the biggest piece of news or pieces of news came from his interview with the House Speaker, Joe Strauss, in which very Strauss, candid. yeah, was very candid with, with the author and, uh, you know, appeared to share this anecdote uh, that Dan Patrick's office is denying about how the lieutenant governor sent two uh, emissaries to his office in the final days of the session, offering what I, I believe may have been in, in Strauss's account, uh, compromise language on a bathroom bill, uh, ostensibly to, to avoid a special session. And, and Strauss uh, rejected even considering uh, the compromise or the, the, the deal and said he didn't want uh, the suicide of a single Texan on my hands. And, Which is um, like a pretty strong statement. I mean, that's stronger even. He made some comments about mental health, I think, at the end of the session. But sure. to yeah. say that publicly to Larry Wright was like pretty huge. Right. And obviously, it's, it certainly represents a, a kind of a shift in the story of bathroom bill politics in Texas because, uh, you know, for so long, the biggest Republican opponents of a bathroom bill leaned on this economic argument that it'd be bad for the state's economy. And here we have the, you know, the speaker of the, the Texas House, a Republican himself, uh, you know, kind of reframing it, at least with that quote, um, as, as an issue of, of tolerance and acceptance of the, you know, LGBTQ community. Mm -hmm. And late into 10 years, the 10 years of his reign, we're really seeing Joe Strauss step out. I mean, a lot of people have have been upset that Strauss hasn't been more forceful, and I think this this is sort of his answer. I mean, this this is kind of a Strauss moment, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, and that, that also, wasn't at the end of the article when Strauss uh, had basically told Wright, um, you know, we don't have to pass anything in the special session, and he seemed very adamant about, you know, potentially um, 
hashtag resisting, um, you know, <laughs> right. uh, the agenda of you know right. Patrick. Were there any other big takeaways from this? I have I have a, a an issue that I want to take with Evan an Evan Smith quote. Oh, good. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> since he's um, not since here, he's to not defend here Evan, you're not here. Since he's sipping tequila um, in Mexico right somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Evan said that that Dan Patrick was the most conservative leader ever elected to statewide office, and I'm like, what do you base that on? I mean, do you remember Coke Stevenson or Alan Shivers? Alan Shivers proposed to the death penalty for members of the Communist Party in, I don't know, the fi- <laughs> in the late 50s. The late 50s were an ugly, ugly period. And Evan now, Smith should remember the well, late 50s. Well, I'm just 50s. saying that, you know, I don't remember the late 50s. <laughs> I was born in 1965, but I've read about it. And, it, you know, Alan Shivers was a conservative guy, and so was Coke Stevenson on, on race issues. I mean, conservative, you know... There was a lot of racism back then, mm-hmm. um, and so I think um, that, and I and I think that uh, Lawrence Wright had a lot of great history of the the modern, you know, the rise of the modern Republican Party. But before that, the Democrats uh, were super conservative. There were only a handful of liberal Democrats who ever got elected. You know, Ralph Yarbrough, there's a handful of liberal Democrats who got elected to statewide office, and they didn't last very long. So Texas has been conservative for a very long time. I do think that the ugliness of this period and the sort of uh, pandering or what, whatever you want to call it, the really, really catering to the base is similar mm-hmm. to what we saw in the, in the late 1950s. But I don't think it's unprecedented. And I think that a lot of times we, we sort of have a tendency to look at what at, at what's going on currently and think this has never happened before. Right, it's but crazier I, than it's ever but been. But I think, it, I, you know, you look back in, in the late 50s, uh, that gave rise to Henry B. Gonzalez, for example, you know, filibustering a, a really ugly civil rights, uh, anti-civil rights mm-hmm. initiative. Um, you know, uh, we have some historical precedent here. Yeah, I mean, some of the historical stuff actually was the most interesting to me. You know, taken together, you read this whole body of work and you think, oh, my God. I mean, there, there have been some just wild times in the Texas legislature. You know, sometimes this session doesn't even, like, hold a candle to how crazy it's been. So... I don't know. I thought it was just like a really fun and compelling read for people who haven't, you know, been here for that many legislative sessions. Were there a lot of surprises for you guys there? No, not really. I mean, again, I kind of, you know, the biggest <laughs> takeaways for me were how, you know, how it fits into the run up to the special session mm-hmm. and kind of the tone it sets for that. I and mean, what tone does it set? Well, I mean, I think before this piece, we knew that the big three were very dug in on, on their priorities, or at least Dan Patrick and Joe Strauss were dug in on their priorities, what they're willing to compromise on, what they're not willing to compromise mm-hmm. on. And we've seen the, the governor try to uh, kind of uh, fit himself in the middle of that and triangulate, if you will. Right. Um, and so, but I think, you know, Strauss's, you know, Strauss's quotes in this piece definitely take it to a new level. And, you know, the, the, <laughs> the, the cynical uh, politico in me reads those Joe Strauss quotes and, and thinks that they're... They're going to be ammo for Dan Patrick to, to continue this argument that Joe Strauss is using the quote unquote, you know, language of the left or arguments of the left to argue against the bathroom bill. I mean, he's definitely antagonizing bathroom bill supporters, I think, maybe by, by taking in that direction. Yeah. So, I mean, but he's, you know, still holds a lot of power and con- continues to have the ability to bottle up a bathroom bill in a special session. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't too too surprised by much of what I read, except just yeah, the, the, the forcefulness of, of Strauss again. But it was just filled with uh, such great scenes, um, you know, so, some of the type of stuff that that wasn't um yeah we we, we reported all 
all along on on you know what happened this session, but you know there, there seems to be missed, and one of them that really stood out to me um, was was I guess uh, the night of the House Budget debate when um, there was a big uh, feral hog. Um, uh, deal, yeah. <laughs> oh, feral man. hog discussion on the House floor uh, involving Jonathan Stickland, and there's a big uh, scrum among lawmakers. And um, uh, Wright describes Strauss coming over to the rail and saying to him, "Can you believe that uh, these are the people who have uh, the ability to spend like 219 billion dollars?" <laughs> so um, it, right. it's just really a fun read. Did yeah. you ever see his play, Sonny's Last Shot? I never did. No, I have. I have the script. I think it's out there somewhere, but it's it's beautifully done. Beautifully, it was a great play. He is. Just just a beautiful writer. Yeah, really um, well, just a reminder, if you're watching on Facebook, that you can post questions in the comments, and we'll try to get to them. Um, over the weekend, we had a pretty crazy story that um, we saw the Waco paper break out of Baylor University, where we've been covering all these Title IX lawsuits over women sort of, you know, uh, potentially being discriminated against or not protected on campus. Um, in the process, some emails surfaced from a key Texas political figure, probably the state's top, one of the top two lobbyists, Buddy Jones. Um, Jim, you unfortunately drew the short straw and we're working this weekend. What did these emails say? Um, right, and I, I just want to take my phone out to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm quoting it uh, accurately. But, oh, you don't uh, think you can remember this line? You remember it, don't yeah. you? So, so, so the, these were uh, emails uh, that were um, attached to a filing in uh, one of the several uh, Title IX cases um, that uh, Baylor is fighting. Um, and uh, this, these were 2009 emails in which Buddy Jones described um, uh, women uh, uh, he suspected of, of drinking um, off campus um, as, quote, uh, perverted little tarts. Please say um, that again with more yeah. emphasis. Perverted little tarts. Thank you. Um, vilest, the vilest and most despicable girls, a group of very bad apples, and he called their behavior um, insidious and inbred. Um, and so, uh, basically, the, the plaintiffs in this suit, um, th th these were not um, um, women um, that, that, that are suing the university over discrimination, but the, 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 the lawyers for the plaintiffs who are um, alleging that the um, uh, university um, is discriminating against women attached to these to suggest that um, the university's strict um, code of enforcement, including um, um, its uh, anti-drinking um, code and uh, you know, barring uh, drinking on and off campus um, is enforcing this culture of discriminating against women to and to suggest that that Jones who was a regent um, at the time this was like what um, nine years ago or eight um, years ago yeah, or something? Was, yeah 2009 um, um, they're suggesting that you know he's viewing um, just drinking in this strange sexualized um, uh, way of looking at it to, to suggest that that he has he in his position of power had this view of, of women um, you know uh, that, that that was very different than, than, I guess, how he viewed men. And interestingly, so the lawyer in this case is Jim Dunham, the former state lawmaker, Democratic state lawmaker from Waco, right, Jay? Yeah. Right, yeah. And Absolutely. so, I mean, he's it's been a pretty interesting case because he sort of came out and said, look, like, you know, while these emails don't appear to be related to any sexual assault investigations, they are uh, emblematic of, you know, university administration sort of victim blaming. Um, but really, pretty quickly... Buddy Jones called our reporter Matthew Watkins, right, Jim? Um, yeah, yeah. I, th I think uh, Matthew had gotten a text from him, um, and uh, he had basically said, um, I was trying to find the actual quote. But, he was quite uh, contrite yeah, he, about yeah, it. Yeah, he said, um, my, my comments made almost a decade ago were hyperbolic and too harsh, and they reflected an emotional, angry moment long ago. 
Uh, sometimes people do stupid things, and this qualifies as one of mine. Um, so I, was, I, I would to, have to yeah. agree with that. I'm, yeah. you know, we all Which know, part? buddy, buddy, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, that it was stupid, and yeah. and, and you know, but it, it's also he's a guy. With, he's got four daughters, right? You know, and I have a daughter too, and it it kind of makes you think. I'm. You know, would you want to send your daughter into something like that, into uh, an, an administration that would that would feel that way about women, um, especially so. when they're of drinking of age? Right, right. And right. for for a little bit more context too, these were emails with a faculty advisor of the women um, who. Buddy basically wanted them to be he wanted one one of them to be expelled based upon these photos he allegedly attached to this email of, of them at a party where there was alcohol and the faculty advisor kind of pushed back and said the, the these women are, are of age they were at a um, somebody's engagement party um, and I believe it was also off campus and he was um, basically just outraged that uh, she would take their side on this um, he he had called her my compadre and partner. Um, um, in, in other contexts, and he yeah, basically email, said, "I thought just, you were going to be on my side. Right, I thought right. you of all people would take my side mm-hmm. on this. And I mean, just, I wonder if the religious culture at Baylor is sort of. I mean, is is that what it is? That it's so entrenched that, you know, is this like BYU where the honor code is so intense that you know? I mean, the culture at Baylor is pretty conservative, mm-hmm. um, but I think this goes beyond uh, just being conservative or Christian. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that that. Um, you know, if you're a woman um, and, you know, you don't expect to be looked at that way or treated that way, um, it, it seems very um, not old school doesn't get there. Maybe right. troglodyte. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think, you know, Buddy apologized for this. And um, yeah, he clearly he, knows he, how to do damage control. I mean, these are right, this is right. like tried and true. You know, you respond immediately. You apologize for making statements, a statement like that. And, you know, you move on. And the story generally like wraps up there. I mean, clearly he knows how this that how this industry works. You know, and he, <laughs> and he, he bleeds green and gold, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I you know, you, you take him at his word that it was an emotional response. Right. Um, it is surprising, though, that he would write that in emails. Uh, I mean, these were emails, and, and the filing was was about um, wanting Baylor to disclose more documents for this case. And this was an email that I believe, that believe the plaintiffs had gotten um, through, like, a different records request, and, and they wanted to make it applicable to their case. Um, but it, you would think that he wouldn't write something like that. Email if but but see, they're not name. they're not subject to the open record right, right. the way public right. universities are right right, right. So I mean subpoena this was a, being this subpoenaed was like, is basically the only right. way these kinds of things would come to light right a lawsuit yeah yeah right yep uh, all right well just a reminder if you're watching on Facebook send us some questions we'd love to hear them um, Jay your investigations into the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission just keep getting wilder and wilder you had an incredible story Friday I believe it was. Um, about Specs, the giant liquor retailer, and TABC's efforts to uh, come down pretty hard on them. What happened? What was the outcome there? So this was a three-year investigation, um, and as you know, the the liquor code, the the law that um, governs liquor sales, uh, beer, all of that, is is pretty arcane and complicated. This this uh, sprang out of the post-prohibition era in the 1930s, and we still have a lot of this code out there. And a lot of critics say that it's just used to help one business interest over another. Um, 
clearly um, there, there's a lot of people who believe that some other uh, company that was a competitor of Specs complained on them. But whatever. Is there it, any evidence of that? No. We're mm-hmm. we're checking on that. We're you know we'd like to know, I'd like to know more about that. So if anybody I'll try not to, if not anyone to, like, blow knows your yeah. if anyone knows uh, please reach out. But um, there was a three year investigation of Specs of. Basically, uh, violating the the hallowed uh, rules of, of uh, the three tier system. Basically, if you know retailers, um, wholesalers, and manufacturers all have to stay in their silo. You know, manufacturer can't sell directly to mm-hmm. uh, the consumer, and the retailers can't you know own uh, wholesalers and all of that. And so there were all these violations. And it came to a head in, in 2016, um, and Specs was you know, they, they basically said, you know, we want you to settle. And, and they looked at all of their all of the stuff that 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 the TABC had against them. They were like, there's no way. I mean, one of the things that really caught my eye was, um, you know, you're not if you're a if you're a retailer, you're you're only supposed to be um, uh, you you pay your wholesalers for their product. But you know you have to be really careful about the way the money goes, and so um, so basically they had these financial transactions where they said, oh well, you have an illegal payment um, from a wholesaler. A wholesaler is providing you like a million and a half dollars, and they looked at it and they go, well, this is just like a refund of an overpayment. Mm-hmm. And so if they had just picked up the phone, they would have known this. So this whole case turned into regulatory overreach on steroids. I mean, TABC wanted what? Like, they, they, like wanted, they wanted to shut dollars. down the company, They wanted basically. to shut down specs. They wanted to shut down the right. largest liquor re- retailer because basically what they would have done is they proposed to take away all of their 164 permits. Which is that? Is that how many stores they, they, they have? could have, uh, you know, as, as somebody like mentioned to me, they could continue <laughs> to sell like, you know, pate or whatever, but like they wouldn't be able to sell liquor anymore, right? And so, for the pet. Yeah. <laughs> I actually brought, bought prosciutto there this weekend. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff at Specs, mm-hmm. as we know. But um, as we know, yeah. as Jay Root knows, yeah. <laughs> including liquor, cut but, the advertisement, right? But anyway, um, they they really came after Specs, hammer and tong, and in addition to uh, shutting down all the stores, they proposed to fine them up to. This is not a typo. Seven hundred and thirteen million dollars. Million dollars as million dollars. Yeah. And so the takeaway: they go through this administrative hearing, and and what was the end? What did Specs end up getting? And so the the, they, the it ended up you know in a contested case process and over at the uh, it's SOA State Office of Administrative Hearings, and they had sort of a uh, the SOA version of a trial. And at the end of it, the judges like said, "You didn't prove any of this." And um, under this weird, this thing called the credit law, where basically every couple or three weeks, liquor stores have to pay their bills to their wholesalers or they get on this delinquent list. And they have like a million and a half invoices a year. And they found one invoice for $778 in 2011 that may have been late. And so they said, we're going to give you a warning. Oh, uh, a warning. So, so it, went, it went from shutdown, $713 million in, in fines to a warning. And Specs is actually saying we were within a grace period, and if the TABC 
uh, files for exceptions to this ruling and basically fights what the administrative judges ruled, they're going to fight this warning. So we have a bunch of questions on Facebook about this. So we're going to do these cliff notes rapid fire. Um, So Mike wants to know, will the recent loss of TABC in the Specs case and the other scandals, um, you know, in light of some of this stuff, is it possible that Walmart may soon be able to sell hard liquor in its stores? There's a lawsuit that's going on right now involving package stores, which is another phrase for liquor stores. Um, But um, there's a law that basically says that publicly traded corporations cannot be liquor retailers. Um, And so there's a big lawsuit over that, basically, that it's against the Constitution that you can't tell these companies what to do. We don't have a decision in that yet. So that's that's playing out in a different arena. So I don't really see this as playing into that so mm-hmm. much. This, this didn't involve, you know, because they're not a publicly traded corporation. Specs right. is a family-owned. In fact, it's the second largest family-owned alcohol company in the country, and mm-hmm. it's the largest liquor retailer uh, in Texas. What it has done, though, is it shined a very harsh light on regulatory tactics at the agency. I have to say, Governor Abbott has really been on top of this and mm-hmm. taken it seriously, from what I can tell. he's a, He appointed... Uh, Kevin Lilly, Houston businessman, who basically is methodically cleaning house over there, mm-hmm. um, and in fact, one you got of a the, story about that on Monday, right? Yeah. One of the central characters in the uh, in the Specs story, uh, Emily Helm, the uh, general counsel, is now the former general counsel. She resigned. Uh, on Mon- effective Monday. Over this or a combination of this things? This didn't or? help, I'm told. Right. Um, but there were some other issues. Um, it's just that the whole management of the agency has come under question. I mean, we wrote about these uh, lavish trips they took, mismanagement of People state resources. claiming a, uh, what sort of uh, duty pay while yeah, hazardous junk- duty. Hazardous duty pay while in junkets in Hawaii. Right. right. Um, you know, missing cars. They can't keep up with what cars they have, the mm-hmm. state-owned cars. Well, uh, so question quite a lot of stuff. From Liberty on the Rocks, Houston, whoever that is. Um, <laughs> Abolish, <laughs> abolish the TABC with three exclamation, four exclamation points. Could the t- and then the question: Could the TABC be abolished? You know, are there any efforts to do that with so many scandals around it? Um, you know, you hear people talking about that, but th- they're actually going to go before sunset uh, in 2019. Sunset is yeah, the sunset is basically a holistic review of an agency. All agencies get them every right, years. and and they basically dig into sort of an exit in an existential way you know, what's mm-hmm. going on in agencies. And so um, the liquor industry is bracing for a really harsh sunset process. I'd imagine um, after all this. Right. But but there's going to be a new executive. You know, the executive director uh, is recently gone. Um, the One of the commissioners left. Now the general counsel. I believe there are going to be other people in the coming days that are mm-hmm. they're going to be leaving the agency. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be looking at a, at a brand new agency with a brand new focus. Um, and I do think that, like I said, the Governor Abbott's taken this seri- seriously. There is a sensitivity because one of their – the big narrative – Right for uh, Republican statewide office holders, one of the big <laughs> narratives is local government's out of control. They're overregulating, and this doesn't look good when you talk about over. You know, oh well, we got namby pamby nanny state uh, in control of business. 
this doesn't really fit with that narrative. Well, so they need to get this together like real quick. And to make not sure only that it do doesn't. you have this agency like overly cracking down on people partying, they're overly cracking down on people partying and then partying themselves. I mean, it's like the narrative could not be any worse in this particular case. Um, and one more question on Facebook on this. So do you think all this will spur, including Sunset, I'm adding, a TABC overhaul to sort of repeal what this reader calls arcane laws? I do think that you're going to you're, – you're, there's, there's sort of a perfect storm in the works, I think, on liquor regulation. It's, it's gotten more attention than it usually does. Um, you, the legislature just passed a craft beer bill that was loathed by the craft beer industry and that really put the, the focus on the strength of beer distributors, for example, um, that have given quite a lot of money to uh, politicians um, and – uh, you know, we, we're always focused, and rightly so, on what divides uh, the House and Senate and Patrick, uh, Dan Patrick and Joe Strauss and, and Greg Abbott. But they're together on this. Mm -hmm. You know, look look for the things in which there's a bipartisan <laughs> agreement, and liquor regulation is one of them, mm -hmm. right? So, but, but there is more of a focus on this than there has been in quite a while. And so I do think you're going to be looking at, you know, why is it that beer distributors have to get paid in cash, basically, when they deliver? Deliver uh, a product, um, and, and why can't you, why can you get liquor or groceries at a liquor store, but you can't get liquor at a grocery store the way you can in Louisiana? Why can I get Kirkland tequila at Costco in California, but I can't in Texas? Why can't I get it at Walmart? A lot of other states, in similar fashion, the way the car industry is with Teslas, have have modernized their alcohol code. I think you're going to see a discussion mm -hmm. about that in a way that we haven't seen before. But but, but Greg Abbott still signed that bill that the craft brewery he didn't sign it he let it go but he did mm -hmm. let he it go it. and well you know john now is yeah. one of the largest uh distributors you know in texas and uh Sil silver eagle distributors and also is greg abbott's treasurer and a huge donor um, a lot of people cited that. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that he, you know, just did what his donors say. But that's what a lot of critics do. He's say. a six-digit guy in most. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, Craig Abbott campaign for right. Well, I'm so. not a six-digit gal, but I'm the mother of a small <laughs> child, and I need to be able to buy chilled rosé at 8 a.m. on a Sunday. So if someone could work on that, I would be really thrilled. I'll pass that along. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, let's move on to one more topic here. Um, the Trump administration, we often talk about them on the end of our show. Uh, in particular, there's been a, qu a request by Trump's voter integrity panel that states turn over a ton of their voting data. What are the feds, what is Trump asking for, and, and what is the reaction, Ben? Um, yeah, so um, this uh, Election Integrity Commission, they, they call it, um, sent letters out to all 50 secretaries of state uh, in, in the various states and asked for just a huge um, amount of, of data. Um, and it said, if publicly available under the, the laws of your state, uh, we want uh, names of voters, addresses, um, uh, the last four digits of the social security numbers, military status, uh, whether they were ever banned from voting, felony convictions, just like a huge slate of stuff that uh, most states, um, you know, only consider some of a public record, um, and so this this uh, this kind of spurred like a um, a big uh, a lot of backlash among um, both Republican and uh, both Democrats and some Republican states, including Mississippi, whose Secretary of State uh, told um, uh, this commission uh, <laughs> that uh, Mississippi was a, a good place to uh, uh, jump in the Gulf of Mexico, um, but. 
so there was a lot of coverage about like which states were were complying, which states were partially complying, and which states were were saying go jump into the Gulf of Mexico. Um, and Texas sort of falls, I guess, in the Texas middle. Texas is someplace you could jump into the Gulf. You, of you Mexico. could. I mean, I, I think there's. Uh, it's fair to debate uh, what's a better spot to jump off. Um, <laughs> But um, but yeah, so, so Texas um, uh, Secretary of State uh, is uh, um, saying that uh, uh, we'll, we'll we'll share um, uh, only d- data that's considered public under the laws of our state, which is actually still a lot, a lot yeah. of stuff, uh, which includes you know names and addresses of voters um, and you know voting history, what what primaries, what what elections you voted in, um, that t- type of thing. Um, there's a question about birth dates. I'm still not sure. If uh, normally birthdays would be public, um, but there was a, um, a court ruling a couple of years ago that that said that sometimes they're or often they're not. So so that's a question. Um, but uh, that we saw a lot of lot of interest in this, a lot of reader yeah. interest. Uh, mm-hmm. my, my Twitter blew up. You know? I was yeah. gonna say yeah, the public interest in this seemed intense last week. It's obviously died down over the, the holiday weekend, but you know like even among you know well-known Republican, conservative, pro-Trump followers, there was kind of like this reaction, like, wait, what? Like, what's going on here? And there was definitely, a, you know, an interest in having more information about this. Well, and it's interesting because people are already, like, even on our um, Facebook feed right now, people are saying, wait, you know, I don't want my data given out. But the reality is your data is already given out. It's been given out yeah. for years. Basically, any candidate can buy the voter rolls, can't you? Right. I mean, I don't, well, this I, is well, not. some like, stuff you can get and some stuff you can't. Like, yeah. you can't get, the, they wanted the last four digits of right. people's social security right. numbers. So, so we so. will not, uh, the Secretary of State, uh, you know, said that that is not public record. Well, I think part of Part of the concern here is that this is, you know, plausibly going to a an administration right. that has uh, created this commission on what has been a debunked premise in terms of the extent of voter fraud in the past presidential election. Right. Right. So it's not coming the most out of a Texan, source. right? I mean, this right. or- originated with this former HHSC official who said there were what, like three million. He said three million. He's, he's part of this voted group illegally? called Yeah, True the Vote, who said it was creating its own national um, uh, database of voters, um, and, and they then just promptly ran yeah, out of yeah, cash. Yeah, and, to and do they, it they, when they they recently no told their, their donors, yeah, that, that that we don't have enough cash to complete this. But that's basically what this commission, which is ch- chaired by the uh, Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach, who who is someone who has um, you know advanced some of like the strictest. Um, um, Voter, uh, ID or voter, vo- voter, voter ID and and um, yeah, he's prosecuted a lot of people um, for um, allegedly illegal voting and, and also he's a very uh, hardline um, anti illegal um, immigration guy. Um, he's really combined those um, and he he's made some of these these uh, similar claims that that Trump has that that, that were just uh, rife with with, with voter fraud. Um, so th- there are concerns about what he would do with all of this data assembled. And there's also questions, you know, even though, like for instance, if, if Texas only hands over publicly available data, there are questions about what that means once the federal government has it, because then it will be um, accessible to anybody. The uh, uh, commission has basically said that. Um, but th- there's a, a question about what that means for like the provision in Texas law that says you can't use this for commercial purposes if it's in the Fed's hands. Um, does that just go away? Can anyone um, you know go to the, to this commission and, and just use this data and, and make money off of it? You can't do that in Texas, but maybe you can do that if the feds have the data. Right. Well, if you heard that timer, it means our time is almost up. But I'm going to ask Patrick one quick question from Facebook. Uh, Wendy wants to know, is there a chance we're going to have two special sessions? 
<laughs> I'd say absolutely. <laughs> um, there's certainly a chance. I think there's certainly a possibility. The governor hasn't said whether he's willing to call lawmakers back for a subsequent special session, uh, depending on how much work they get done in, in the first one. Uh, but I think the possibility is, is certainly uh, very real. There's also a very real possibility that regardless of what lawmakers get done, Abbott can just cap it at one special session and, and blame the legislature for you know, being lazy, as he seemed to suggest in, in an interview several weeks ago, or just not getting their work done on time. So I think there's <laughs> real possibilities on, on both sides of that argument. Great. Well, if you all like listening to the TribCast every week, please do us a favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Those ratings help us reach more listeners like you. And if you value the Tribune's nonprofit, nonpartisan newsroom, please consider making a donation at support.texastribune.org. Thanks to Shiny Ribs, as always, for our music. And on behalf of Patrick, Jay, Jim, and our producers, oh, Todd and Julia today, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Can we get a good lord? <laughs> good, good lord. lord. <laughs>